This is SG2 Perspectives, a conversation with SG2 experts and industry thought leaders about the biggest trends in healthcare and what we expect that's going to mean for the future of healthcare delivery. We're always looking for new ideas and topics from our listeners, so please reach out, share your ideas. You can email us at sg2perspectives at sg2.com or connect with us on LinkedIn or Twitter, and you can find links to all that in the show notes. We're looking for listener feedback. Please share your thoughts through the survey link in the show notes. Now, on to this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to SG2 Perspectives. I am your host, Kelly Richard, and today we will be discussing the disruptive forces in healthcare, or as they are otherwise known, the game changers. Our expert guest today is actually my co-host, Trevor Durin. Trevor recently completed some research in this space, and I'm excited to hear what you came up with, Trevor. Welcome to the podcast as an expert. It's funny being on this side of the virtual microphone. <laughs> I bet. Trevor, you're no stranger to disruption to the system of care, which is kind of the way that we like to think about healthcare from the system perspective here at SG2. You've done quite a bit of work on primary care, some great interviews even on the podcast. Start by telling me a little bit about what is different now and why you worked on this new research. Yeah, it's something that we constantly pay attention to because we're constantly getting questions from members. And it's just one of those slides that when you present it, people's ears always kind of perk up. They want to hear what's going on with some of these disruptors or new market entrants. The way we looked at it this time was trying to say, are they really disruptors? Are they coming to the healthcare landscape saying, we need to really change what's going on for us to be successful? And I'd suggest they're not. That's why we use the term game changers, because they're kind of changing the game for, in most cases, consumers, and in many cases, for physicians, which inevitably is changing how consumers are going to make healthcare decisions. And it's changing the game around how they're listening to physicians' needs. In many cases, the compensation, incentives, and alignment options that they're producing for physicians. And the healthcare industry and landscape, which inevitably is impacting health systems in a variety of ways now with probably a much bigger potential in the future. So that's kind of an interesting way to frame it. When you think about disruptors, are you thinking more of maybe organizations that are doing things in a way that no one is versus a game changer maybe has a bigger impact? That's pretty fair. And we put it into four pretty broad buckets. The first is big tech. It's impossible to ignore when you hear Amazon making a play into healthcare, right? So we have to talk big tech. Payers are another segment where they've made big investments. They have really integrated horizontally and continue to. And so that's just something that can't be ignored. New physician group models, again, something that all of a sudden went from little disruptor new market entrant to now they're in almost every market across the country that our members play in. And they went from sort of an idea to they're just there now and we have to kind of learn what they are, their value proposition and how we could potentially work with them. And then another one that we continue to talk about is the retail space, the transactional care in either a retail clinic, grocery store, Walmart. When you think about who they're impacting or if you came up with kind of an interesting way of characterizing their impact, whether it's the actual consumer decision or the actual system of care. Tell me a little bit more about that. We tried to say a spectrum of kind of health system business. On the one end, the most impactful end is, are they really changing across your system of care? 
it's not just they're impacting one site, they're making impacts across your system of care. That's obviously the biggest impact. And then the other end of the spectrum, are they just impacting how healthcare consumers are going to make decisions and how they're going to enter your system of care? And then there's a couple stops along that spectrum. Are they just appealing to certain consumer segments? Are they not just informing consumers about different healthcare choices, but are they really driving those decisions? And none of these players that you had mentioned are necessarily unfamiliar to our audience, but I'd love to just kind of go through each of them and really tell us what is the so what on each of them. Maybe we start with retail. Retail kind of had a big moment in 2021 because the so what for them is we kind of know their game. They just want to get people into their stores. And what they have done a pretty effective job of proving is having a healthcare clinic in one of their stores helps drive foot traffic and those consumers buy other stuff. CVS has said this really clearly. Trying to sell toilet paper. (laughs) Stores with a health hub have more foot traffic. So CVS is putting more health hubs in. They own real estate. They're trying to maximize revenue per square foot. From the rest of our perspective, it was always, what are they doing? Is it just transactional care? Do they want to integrate? How are they referring patients on? Because inevitably, many patients are going to need another level of care. And we've done some research and tried to understand what happens there. It's pretty low acuity, transactional stuff. When you think about the difference between urgent care and retail, urgent care is going to see more musculoskeletal. When you think about downstream options, there's at least that channel. That channel doesn't really exist for retail. Some of the retail players talked about wanting to get into chronic disease management. We haven't really seen that show up in the data yet. They're not getting recurring visits for patients with chronic diseases yet. They've talked about that as one step away. The reason they had a moment in 2021 is vaccine rollout was their opportunity to show that where Walgreens or Walmart or CVS, they have an enormously rich database of consumer data. They should have been able to do proactive outreach to get to people, to make it easy to get vaccinated if folks wanted. And they didn't. They got dings by the Biden administration for having too many leftover vaccines. My anecdotal experience is the big health systems in my market that did mass vaccination events were much more proactive, much better coordinated, tech enabled, consumer friendly to get folks in. And they really kind of understood their role and how to make it easy for consumers. I think retail missed their opportunity to show consumers that they could leverage their data to be proactive and make it easy for patients and be really consumer focused. Ultimately, that could mean incredible learning for the healthcare system in terms of how do you incent people to come in and get the care they need. The end game that they can expand into chronic disease management and kind of expand their impact across the system. But when we think about that initial framework of how much that's going to impact a health system business, that's really still just impacting the front end. Maybe they're going to get to the point where they're impacting specific consumer segments, because if they can say to folks with diabetes or behavioral health needs, hey, we can make it easier for you to do the checkups you need to do med management. The visits are going to be cheaper. We can do all the diagnostics and checks here faster, simpler, easier. We have an easier app for you to integrate with. Well, that can disrupt those patient channels from our traditional health system players. Okay. If I'm a health system, do I care? You care in that what they taught you is as much as consumers are going to say, we're going to make decisions on quality and reputation and brand matter. Like we're not good yet at translating what consumers say and connecting that to their actions. Consumers' actions still show they're going to make decisions for transactional low acuity care based on convenience. And so for a health system, you probably want to not compete for all that business because it's low acuity, low revenue, low downstream, but 
they've shown you that consumers are still making decisions on convenience and you got to compete in that space. What about big tech? And the first one I think of as a segue from retail to big tech is Amazon, obviously. I'll start with the so what? Not much yet. They're another one where the potential still probably only on the front end of how consumers are going to come into your system of care. And they actually haven't even shown as much of an impact as retail has yet. They're still the most in the infancy, but their potential impact is still on the lower end of that spectrum. You mentioned Amazon. Amazon's moves into direct to employer should get health systems attention because Amazon's expertise is scale. And if they can make margin in that line of business and they view it as a growth avenue, their ability to scale that quickly should be pretty scary. And for others, health systems offering direct to employer options, all of a sudden you're competing with Amazon because they might be coming in the door to make the sales pitch right after you. So that's worth paying attention to. Right now it's small scale. If it gets big scale, then it gets scary. For everything else, not to say that it's not potentially impactful, right? Apple's making big moves into wearables. Google's acquired a bunch of different healthcare type entities. I'd say it's noise right now. If I'm a health system, don't get distracted by it. Just like retail, though, the big play here is around the potential to digitally activate patients using their rich data as an asset. Google's potential there is much more as like a data vendor to health systems or potentially new entrants or competitors to provide really rich, really precise targeting of patients. And face it, getting to patients, whether you want to call it education or marketing in the digital arena, is going to be the kind of competitive frontier going forward. They're changing the game because they're going to have richer data there. But I'd say for now, don't worry about their little moves into healthcare. Yeah. The thing that I always think of when I think of Google is the opportunity for them is every time someone has any sort of a symptom, they Google it. That's an immediate first channel and it's access to patients directly, specifically what they're thinking about and what they need at the time. So if there's a way to monetize that, to partner with a health system, if you're a health system and there's a way for them to create some sort of a tool, I think that would be the magic bullet for them. Right. They know they're the front door to many health systems. And the question is, are they going to try to leverage that to be a competitor? My expectation is probably not. Seems like they'll probably try to monetize it and just be a vendor. The other thing that they could do, which would be a real game changer, is if they could somehow be agnostic of providers and focus on real cost and quality data that's credible and that someone isn't paying to basically be routed to them. I don't think they make more money doing that, though, right? Maybe not. So who knows? Retail, big tech, we're not seeing immediate disruption for health systems. What about payers, though? Now we have to talk about the game's changing pretty dramatically, and it's disrupting a lot of traditional health system business. You can't ignore it. As health systems realized in the last five years that owning primary care physicians didn't necessarily deliver on their hopes and expectations around alignment, reducing leakage increasing referrals to employed specialists. Let's just be honest, that's the target and the goal. Payers realized the same thing around owning primary care docs didn't necessarily impact total cost of care enough. Like that wasn't enough of a piece. In both of those cases, we can't overlook that there's a human piece. We're talking about owning and we use crass terms or ownership of physicians, but it's still people, right? They have relationships, they have preferences, they have individual goals. 
They have different styles. Just because I'm part of United Health Group doesn't mean I'm immediately thinking like the publicly traded United Health Group entity. I'm still a, a person and individual. And I think that was probably overlooked by both health systems and payers. And so the impact just wasn't as big as expected. And so now we're seeing payers continue to vertically integrate. There's still some moves in terms of ownership of primary care docs, but it's expanding. It's expanding into behavioral health. It's expanding into home health. It's expanding into areas like RevCycle, into virtual. And it shows both a desire to experiment to manage total cost of care and continue to diversify their business in their areas of expertise. They're showing that they're a learning, growing entity that's not going to keep doing things the same way. They're expanding and they're going to impact total cost of care in different ways. They already know how to impact it on the administrative side through prior auth. And they're going to keep pushing on getting inappropriate volumes out of the emergency department. And we have seen that entities like MedExpress or primary care groups that are owned by payers do, after you go to one of those providers, your volume of both emergent and urgent visits goes down. They've already shown that they can use providers to impact some of the things administratively. Something I would say to that is you mentioned, hey, just because you own them doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to make different decisions. And I think the key there is incentives. If you design their incentives differently, regardless of whether or not you own them, that's going to be the thing that likely changes their behavior when you're thinking both about how payers are managing physicians or just even creating relationships with them, as well as how health systems are. Maybe you don't need to own a primary care group in order to lock in market share or volumes. It's a perfect point. It segues perfectly between the payer section and thinking about new physician group models. Let's segue into new medical groups. So I'm going to kind of split it into specialty versus primary care. And we just wrote a publication that gets into this in some more depth. But on the specialty side, the game-changing force here is that private equity money is used for investment in specialty groups. And it's investment in tech and infrastructure to do more procedures in sites where the physicians are going to capture more of the pro and facility fees. It just forces health systems to really rethink their value propositions around alignment, around employment, and around partnership with local docs. Because what these PE firms are capitalizing on is that the historic value proposition isn't working great. And the same thing is true on the primary care side, but at a different scale. And back to your point about incentives and value-based care, the new primary care groups, Iora, Village MD, Privia, could list another 10, are one of the biggest forces moving value-based care in the country. And they're doing it in many cases without health systems by providing value-based, they bring value-based contracting competency, and then they create incentives for providers and they give them the tools, the care coordination, the resources to succeed in that environment. That's an incredibly different proposition to get providers on board. And they've grown rapidly, which is showing their message really resonates in the market. And so I think there's a big piece of action that health systems can take there. You need to view those groups as a potential lifeline because their competency in aligning incentives with primary care docs is really strong, maybe more than most health systems. The ability to be at the table for that discussion and to force your leadership team to answer the question, like, are we really good at the primary care ownership game? Or do we think one of these game changers can do it better than us. I think it's a discussion that's happening at many health systems. And if it's not, I hope that more health systems will take it seriously. Absolutely. It's essentially an argument for partnering instead of owning. You're not making money on those primary care practices a lot of the time anyway. So if someone else can do it better, maybe you just benefit from the good work that they're doing and 
you stick to what you know, which is maybe more along the lines of some of the specialty care. Let's wrap this up with a few points about what health systems do in response to these game changers. Are there a few things that sort of apply to all of them in terms of what their response should be or how they should proactively approach them? So I'll give kind of two broad ideas. The first is they're all responding to a market need, whether it's a need from consumers, in many cases, it's a need from physicians. And so try and learn from the niches, the areas that they're excelling and the places that they're targeting, because those problems aren't going to go away. They're providing one set of solutions. I'm not saying you have to do the same thing they're doing, but I think there's a learning that can happen here by saying, where are they targeting? Why are they targeting that area? Why can they do it better than us? What can we learn there? The second recommendation is around some scenario planning, because in many cases, my responses here are around their national impact, but nobody really cares about the national impact. It's about what's going to happen in Tulsa or Peoria or Detroit in my market do some scenario modeling to try and understand if certain groups change their alignment, if certain groups move to being employed or being part of trivia, if one medical aligns with a different health system in my market, if CVS and Walmart really hit the scale that they're talking about in retail care, how much could that disrupt me? Yeah, and I think that's a great point. These players may be very efficient and have the scale in a targeted service, but what you have as a health system is unparalleled knowledge of your own market. And being able to leverage that is probably one of the best lines of defense that you can come up with. Thank you, Trevor, so much for jumping on and playing expert this week. It's tough being on this side. Thanks. If game changers are on your radar and you want to hear more, we recommend a new podcast channel, Venture Sprouts, hosted by our colleague, Crystal Mullis. You'll hear from entrepreneurs launching these companies, the demand they saw in the market that wasn't being addressed, and learn about opportunities for investment. You can find a link in our show notes or on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or Spotify. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of SG2 Perspectives. 